All right, everybody. Welcome back to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis III, co-hosting with Haggai Davis II, and we would like to thank you for joining our show. Tech Gumbo is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. We also want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital. They connect businesses to capital. It does not matter what business you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of any size, life cycle, category, or location. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance your current debt because of the new government programs and the favorable interest rates, or you're trying to finance new equipment or maybe acquire another business altogether, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When banks cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener question about a topic that was sent to us via text 225-255-0431 and the question this week is... Is Microsoft's purchase of Activision really a big deal? The answer is yes. This is a very big deal that will likely have large implications throughout the entire video game industry. And honestly, probably implications throughout other tech industries as well. So a little background here. Activision Blizzard is the second largest manufacturer of video games. and Microsoft has offered $75 billion in cash to buy Activision Blizzard. So this this move makes sense for a lot of reasons. First, on the Activision Blizzard front, they've had a rough year. There have been stories that have come out about the workplace culture and at this corporation, and it was very, very bad in a lot of different ways. And it led to a lot of people who used to be long-term fans of Activision Blizzard stepping away, canceling their subscriptions, saying they weren't gonna play the games anymore, just being generally disgusted with the things that happened. And so you have all of this incredibly valuable IP, all of these games, which are still incredibly fun to play games, long uh, games with storied histories, that have this stench on them and here comes microsoft to launder them to say look we're casting away all the people who created these problems gone are those people who who did all those terrible things we are here now it's a new day you don't have to feel guilty for doing offer for enjoying this anymore it's it's clean it's all fine now we're you're under the microsoft umbrella so this microsoft's getting a great deal on this because Two years ago, my guess is it probably would have been closer to $100 billion, but it really has been that kind of hit to the Activision Blizzard brand to drop 25% off the price tag. Think about that. $75 billion cash. I mean, there's only a few companies in the world who could write that check to start with, Microsoft being one of them. And this is a really good play for Microsoft as well, because this adds to the portfolio that they have of games already as part of the Xbox. Now you bring in everything that Activision Blizzard had. When you think about 
the World of Warcraft and Call of Duty and Candy Crush and so many more games that Microsoft is really trying to not just be Office 365 and not just the Xbox and not just Windows. They're trying to become almost the Netflix of gaming. Oh, this this very much feels like a move towards Netflix. And so what we mean when we say that is Microsoft currently has a service called Game Pass. It's a monthly subscription, and you pay some flat fee, $15, $20, for exactly where, uh, when this episode airs. But it's, it's some very reasonable monthly subscription service. And instead of having to buy all of the games, you essentially rent them from Microsoft. And so what Microsoft is doing here is they're adding this entire Activision Blizzard library, which is just chock full of very, very popular video games under this umbrella that now all of a sudden you can say, oh, that Game Pass was already a pretty good deal, but now it's a great deal. I'm going to go buy the Xbox. I'm going to go just sign up for that subscription service, and I'm not going to go to the PlayStation. For the $15, $16 a month, you got to have a relatively new Xbox. The old Xboxes won't work, so it has to be the Xbox X series or the S series. And you're good. For $15, $16 a month, you get, right now, just with Game Pass, there's hundreds of games that you can start playing if and when this acquisition goes through, because it still has to pass federal scrutiny. This happens, and now all of a sudden it goes from 100 to 500 games that you can just play indefinitely. And, and the really important part of this also is that a lot of these games are the AAA titles. They're the big name, the headliner games that, whenever you buy them individually, are 60 bucks a pop. And so if you're paying 15 bucks a month, as long as you're playing one game every four months, you're coming out even here. And so let's say you play a new game every two months. Now all of a sudden you're way ahead and you have as much time to play as much as you want. And then you move on to the next one. There are a lot of people in the video game community who are looking at this just mouth watering because it's such a great deal. So then you've got to start looking at Sony. Hey, oh, by the way, they've got that PlayStation 5 that becoming irrelevant maybe that's wherever this really gets tough for sony because they don't have the internal infrastructure that microsoft has sony is much more of an entertainment company whereas microsoft is a tech company microsoft has all of this cloud infrastructure already microsoft has this backbone this capacity to support all of these things to support the ability to play the games in the cloud like this Sony just doesn't have that. That's not their that's not their origin and not where they are. Microsoft has all of their data centers around the world that run Microsoft Azure. And obviously all this is going to be run off of all of the Azure servers around the world. You may be competing against somebody in Australia. You're connecting to one of the 12 different Microsoft data centers in the United States for your connectivity. You're, you're competing with the guy in Australia, connecting to that data center, and then you're going across Microsoft's network competing. This is a 
grand slam deal if if it really does go all the way through and happen. Oh, yeah. And, and Sony just does not have that next gear up. They can say, oh, you can listen to sl- music licensed by Sony. You can watch movies that are licensed by Sony. But there is no equivalent to this inside of that company. And so all of a sudden, if you think about that the the video game industry is moving towards a subscription service wherever you have the libraries of games and you just say, I'm going to play this one today, much like Netflix, they had all their different libraries that they've acquired. You say, oh, I'm, instead of buying the eight Harry Potter discs, you know, you watch Netflix and, you know, you watch the eight movies. This is what Microsoft is thinking. Instead of going out and buying those eight games, you're going to, have our game pass and you're going to pay us that recurring revenue that 15 bucks a month that 20 bucks a month and then you're going to play all the games on our console and you're going to be under our umbrella and it's all going to stay in the microsoft house so if it happens it's going to be a lot of fun but again that federal scrutiny there's a lot of people who are screaming that wait, this is going to make Microsoft too big. This is the, now you've got monolith that's, that just got bigger and Microsoft's gobbling up the world. You can't let this happen. And it's got, got some big hurdles. They've got across to, to make this happen, but yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. That's a great point about it being a megalith because, you know, we think about the criticisms that people lobby at Facebook. That Facebook having Instagram and WhatsApp, at the time, Facebook was allowed to subsume these corporations. Maybe they shouldn't have been. Maybe we should have been more forward-thinking with how this would shape the industry and what kind of reach and control this would allow. If you just look at this today, maybe you don't think this is a huge problem. But if you can see where this is going and what type of huge waves this will make throughout the entire industry, this does start to look a bit like a monopoly. And you really do have to worry about the consumer experience and is Microsoft getting too big? And oh, by the way, we didn't even mention Nintendo or any of the portfolio of games that Nintendo owns. Nintendo has always been isolated. They've never really been in the same conversation as the xbox and the playstation they will still get their fans they will still do their things they have their own first party titles that if you're playing something on the switch you're playing it for the switch itself whereas the the xbox and the playstation were much more interchangeable it was much more just about which one has the better games well now with microsoft taking this giant leap forward you're gonna crush playstation and you're going to crush competition in, in a way that does feel, uh, you know, a bit monopolistic. So, yes, thank you for the question. And the answer is, it is a big deal. Absolutely. And for sending that question in, we will be sending you the free Tech Gumbo mug. That beautiful mug is on its way. You, too, can get a mug if you send us a, a question to 225-255-0431. As we move into the second part of this segment, we want to talk about the democratization of technology and the Internet. What does it mean now that anybody has access to all of this data? Anybody can create things. Anybody can send it out to the world. What are some of the consequences of that? 
one of the first stories that came up is Elon Musk has he's kind of upset about this one particular Twitter account. The Twitter account is at Elon Jet. And this young 19 year old who whose dad works in the airline industry knows how to find the information. He wrote some software he put together and it tracks Elon's jet wherever Elon's jet goes. It lets you know it's taking off and it lets you know that it landed. And Elon's a little worried about his security that, hey, some nut job may be out there tracking this and know that I'm going to be landing at the Austin airport and he doesn't like me. So he shows up with a gun and blows me away. Elon Musk's concern about privacy is moderately valid here. I do sympathize with I don't want all of my comings and goings broadcasted across the entire Internet. To what extent are individuals entitled to privacy? That's a tough question, which we don't have great answers for. And so part of the the extra difficulty of this question is that Musk's private jet is currently makes use of some sort of blacklisting that whenever it you know posts a flight plan, it doesn't say this is Elon Musk's jet making this flight plan. It just says there is a jet making this flight plan. What this kid has done is Elon Musk's jet does have to say where I am and what direction, how high I am, how fast I'm going, those sorts of things. And so what the kid's code does is that it sits there and it's able to look at all the different flight plans and then look at when the plane is taking off and then do some calculations and then correlate. Ah, you must be this one. You're the only one that matches up this closely. And so that's what he's doing here. But all of this data is completely open. It's completely public. He is not crossing any sort of lines here. He is just taking information that is already out there and assembling it in uh, a new way. And there's 83,000 followers who are very interested in where Elon's jet is going. And he's also done this for Bill Gates and for Jeff Bezos' planes. I mean, there's a lot of celebrities that, that this guy is tracking. And all of these people are very concerned with their privacy. And I get it. I mean, you have a, a very polarizing figure like a, like a Jeff Bezos, like an Elon Musk, that some people don't like what they're doing. Some people love what they do. And... He just wants to show up at the Austin airport and go to the, the, the new Tesla headquarters. He doesn't want a throng of people there. He's not he's not somebody who's hoping paparazzi's out there. So this so where's the sense of responsibility that says maybe you can post this data, but you post it a week later? So the idea of personally identifiable information, PII. Is something which is a huge part of transportation in general. Oh, that's something that we think about uh, in, in the transportation community is whenever we're collecting data about people's travels, what can we do to anonymize it? How do we make sure that we're not just posting people's entire lives on the internet in an open source? Because we do want to protect privacy. We do want to protect security. And so that's one of the problems is that it used to be this was all just kind of hidden. It's called security through obscurity, which just means that because it was hard to assemble all the pieces, you couldn't know this. But this guy has already said that, hey, look, all my code is open source. It's posted online. 
And even if you were to remove that code, people could just reconstruct my logic. This will just get redone again. I, I'm a part of a system here. I, I'm not, I, I'm simply a symptom. You know, he's, he's abdicating responsibility in some ways. Yes, because, because his dad was an airline industry insider. He grew up around this industry, so he knew the, he just, he knew that the information existed. And he got curious and he could slap together some code and and pull some data from different sources to make it boom here you go look what i did and it, it gets back to but should you have done it yeah you know are are you infringing on his right does musk have a right to privacy and if so who is violating that right here is it the kid who wrote the algorithm you know, is he okay to write the algorithm, but he can't post it to Twitter? Is it the FAA who is the one who requires this data set be published? And in his defense, the kid says that even Air Force One has to publish all of this ADS-B data. So if we're requiring it of every single plane which crosses through America, this requires a lot more thinking about how do you protect it better another quick story that we wanted to bring up as well apparently two-thirds of all the anti-vax propaganda that's been created was created by a total of 12 influencers yeah because they can and and all they once they create some things in the algorithms and social media grab those clicks they don't care what the content says they're grabbing clicks then it spreads and it spreads and it spreads because they can. Yeah, that's uh, and one interesting part of social media is that because the algorithms have been designed to drive engagement, there are certain people who have figured out what can I do to create something which drives the most engagement. And whenever you have all this power, which is distributed, Anybody who figures out how to do this, anybody who's like, ah, I can put the pieces together in a new way, all of a sudden has a tremendous amount of power in their hands. And the people who should be there to kind of gatekeep a little bit, we've removed gatekeepers in a lot of ways. And so there is no central institution which is saying, actually, let's pump the brakes a little bit on this. Let's think about this. This is maybe something we don't want. For the same reason that you're not allowed to stand up in a movie theater and yell fire, the same kind of responsibility should be on social media, but it certainly is not. The The fact that, hey, I look at the cheeseburger I had for lunch pictures, and here's my cat or my dog doing silly things, those days are long gone of social media. It's now, if it's not inflammatory, if it's not about political right, political left, or or anything like that, then it's not going to get any clicks in social media doesn't drive it. Yeah, and you really, it comes again to uh, social media is the system here, and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and these platforms really need to think about how their algorithms drive traffic and what are the implications of decisions they have made and how can we change these levers to have more healthy interactions so that it's, it's not hateful, it's not vile. What can we do to make things better? And let's hope they begin soon. And we want to thank Gen Informatics for sponsoring our show. 
General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the Southeast United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services team can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strengths. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show reruns Sunday at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or would like to hear this or any previous episode, check out our podcast available on most every podcast platform, including Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, Podchaser, and more. Be sure to subscribe when you're there. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new episode. And if you like our show or if you have any suggestions, let us know via text at 225-255-0431. And if you send us a question and we use your question as the question of the week, we will send you a free Tech Gumbo mug. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.